Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Supernatural The Crossroads on Rain Man Digital. I am Michael Flores, your host. I am not Thomas. I do not have that deep, baritone, sultry voice. So you're going to have to deal with a nasally voice guy today. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Yes. Hello, Ryan. (laughs) You troll. (laughs) Hi, how are you? And also... And the show today is Avi, if she can stay connected to the server. Hello, Avi. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Perfect timing. So today we're going to be discussing, of course, Supernatural Season 15, Episode 17, titled Unity. Unity! So Thomas is not here today. Can we explain to everyone why? He injured himself. How? I don't know. He's 29 years old, but he threw his back out. He doesn't work out. He lives pretty much a sedentary lifestyle. So I'm not quite sure how it happened, but we will keep everyone up to date. This is the biggest news right now, even bigger than the presidential election. Yeah, this is way bigger. We must find out. Wait, that happened? Yes, it did. (laughs) Well, no, it's still going. So not exactly. So we'll keep people up to date. The the show or or Thomas is back? Thomas is back. Come on. I, okay, I don't know, dude. You don't know. I don't really care that bingo. much. I don't care that much about Thomas's back. So, but why? It's very important to the show. The listeners are going to want to know, Ryan. Well, they don't care. Like, look, Top Cat will be back, guys. Don't worry about there it. There you go. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Is that Top Cat? That's <laughs> Top that's Cat. what I was. It, it had to be said. Yeah, every time. Every time. I mean, look, guys. He rolled over in bed and tweaked his back. I mean, it is what it is. He's not here. You know, I have to give him shit because every time I miss for an actual legitimate reason. You know, I get lambasted by not only celebrities, but also, you know, the people on the show. So, fuck Thomas. Uh, there you he go. He should have been here. Um, he could have wheelchaired his ass in here. Uh, they make wheelchairs big enough for him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's true. They do. They make extra, extra L, you know. Triple XL. Triple XL fucking wheelchairs. Yeah. But he doesn't have the strength to, to wheel himself in, though. To, to carry have, on. Uh, no. <laughs> he has the muscular integrity of an infant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the episode many of us have been waiting for. It moved things along rather nicely. Meredith Glenn really just bringing everything together in a fairly seamless way, utilizing elements that were introduced earlier on, elements that we might had forgotten, like Sergey and the key. Uh, using those literary plants that we talk about all the time, the the key to death's library, for example, that's an example of a very successful plant. This is something Thomas and I go on and on about. If you're going to introduce an element, make sure it's something that makes sense because you already dropped a clue. Preferably, you know, several episodes back, like in this scenario here, but let's say you, you just came up with this brilliant idea. Okay, fine. Put it in the same episode, but make sure it's subtle so that we are being beat over the head with it. Right. And I was actually happy because we had gone on and on over the last several shows. There's so many things, there's so many loose ends that they're, that they haven't really covered. And this was actually one of the elements on my list. And I didn't want to get overly negative a couple of shows ago. So I didn't even bring it up, but I had a running list of all these things that at 
mind you, not things from previous seasons, just from this season alone that they had mentioned. And this was a big, this was a big one. That episode when Sergey showed up, we were literally sitting around because I think I was on that show. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. Yep. We were all going, what the fuck is he doing here? Like this makes like, I think I even got like a little mad when he showed up. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. What right. is he doing here in this episode? <laughs> and I mean, I'm trying to remember or I'm trying to look up if she wrote that episode or not, because if she didn't, you know what? Either way, if she did and had the plan to bring it back, that's amazing. If she didn't and dug through past yep. episodes yep. and found that, that's also amazing. I was thinking the same thing because this episode feels a lot like a Baron's episode. Yes, it has her style. There are very distinct styles between her and Baron's. But right. what do we always credit Baron's for doing for kind of cleaning up the mess? Baron's yeah. comes in. He's been very he, good at, at at taking the the mess. He's and the jizz mold. mopper. Yeah, he's the, he, he's, he just, he's just, just, you know, sweeping up jizz. And he always does well, such a great she, job. She is, too, but to a lesser degree. Yeah. Can you imagine being like, hey, what do you, what do you get at? Oh, I'm good at sweeping up jizz, man. I'm like, who's the, jizz? Dab's, oh, dab's jizz. Which is basically Look, just a mix I'd of mayo. I'd rather mop it than sweep it. I'll just say that. Well, yeah, I mean, sw- it's, sweeping it's, wouldn't really do anything, would it's, it? It's not jizz, it's mayo. But oh, that's what he <laughs> He's a mayo mopper, dude. Yeah. So, dab is not a human. He actually squirts mayonnaise. It's from all the sandwiches he makes. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with his penis. <laughs> He leaves a trail of mayonnaise yeah. and mustard. Yeah, absolutely. Like a snail. Like a snail, yeah. It's like a little trail. That's fucked up. That's how they find him. <laughs> oh, his snail trails mayo and mustard. He's Next. eating in the closet again, guys. How, how do, do you, you know? know? I see his trail. <laughs> I see a snail trail. Oh, weird. Yeah. We also got some reveals on Billy's plan to no one's surprise. I feel like most of us had suspected Billy of... Doing some tampering, some meddling. She had her own agenda. We had been alluding to this for a very long time, as well as many of Look, our listeners. That woman was suspect the moment she, she showed, up. showed up. She's so sus. Well, that that's why she, uh, I feel like this reveal just makes perfect sense. And when I say it, it was not a surprise to no one, it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There are times when you can see things coming and it works just fine because it adds consistency. Yeah. We always knew Billy well, was a good. Here's the thing, though, that, that I think is a stroke of genius about the way that they've played slow played Billy's character yeah. is we've been guessing the whole time. Yep. There'll be episodes she shows up or they talk about her and we're like, oh, yeah, she's definitely on the Winchester side. Yeah. And then there'll be episodes that she shows up or they talk about her and we're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I think now, that- remember I, I, this just hit me. Remember back when Mark Shepard was still in the show and there was that little bit of a look mm-hmm. in one of those episodes between the two. That's right. It kind of makes me wish. That like I could so see that being played out as if Mark Shepard had stayed with the show, mm-hmm. like he had somehow had a hand in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there was because he's the chess player, blah blah blah. But she, she's a chess player too. It's just that she's not as overt with it. Okay, so I I don't know where I read this. I can't remember. I'll see if I can dig through it and post it later. But you're not off base with that assessment. AV, because they had mentioned that there was a story that they were taking, that they they were trying to go in a direction with Crowley and Billy, and they were just starting it off. Mm -hmm. So Uh... it it could have been the two of them working to gain supreme power over everything. Obviously, Crowley would probably not ultimately, at the end of the day, make a decision that would harm the Winchesters. But that also goes right back to classic Supernatural 101. You think you're working together. And Billy may also have her other plan that Crowley was not aware of. So I could see either well, or I mean, working. Technically, Billy was an angel, right? Yeah. Because Reapers are angels because that, of reasons. Yeah. So you've got that duality of she's an angel. He's a demon. Balance. I could I could see them going that way. Yeah. He was a skater boy. A si- like that's he was a boy. She was a girl. Anyways, I, I the thing that I think is 
is to go back on what Mike said about Billy and like not being shocking with the reveal. Yeah. Is that that's and even to elaborate on what Avi said, I, I think it's interesting that this character, like Avi said, every other episode that we see her, it's like, oh, she's on the Winchester side. Oh, she might not. Ha- she has ulterior. She's motives. ambiguous. She's very ambiguous. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point of death. Like even, I, the, I, well, even the original that's good. That's even a good the, point. Even the original death was very ambiguous. He yeah. kind of had a soft spot for Dean. But he still was very, very ambiguous. Who and doesn't? I, well, yeah, That's of true. course. Hey, I mean, look at Amara. She's the darkness. I mean, duh. Um, I think I, I think that that's what's cool about Billy the character is because, yeah, we didn't – it wasn't really shocking. But at the same time, it's like we talked about this, Mike, I think a couple episodes ago where we, we talked about her possibly having a bigger plan. Oh, yeah. And, a, and to the point where it was like not so much an evil sinister plan but a plan to re- – like – yeah, that is the, the the greater good plan, right? right. And yeah. I think that's what this is. I don't think this is I'm sinister. I want to take over the world or, or the universe. It's a I want to do this so we can get balance. It's back. a very middle of the road plan. Yes, yeah. And, well, and, and how they long- did it in such a way, which I absolutely loved, that she was so ambiguous that if she had turned out to, I, I don't know if the, if if her plan turns out to be a good thing, mm-hmm. you'll be like fucking knew it. But if her plan turns out to be this big, bad, evil villain, you can be, I fucking knew it. Because they've just slow played her and kept her so, like you said, Mike, middle of the road, ambiguous, that no matter where they go with her, it's going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll flesh out all of that a little bit more after our little uh, break here. But we also have Amara. Amara proves again that she's everything the actual God should be. But she falls victim to Chuck's manipulative waves by the end of and the episode. Naivety. Exactly. We find that all of this had been a part of Chuck's plan, that Billy's very plan was a part of his story. He wrote all of this. It's enough to drive you nuts, as we see with Dean, continuing to feel like a hamster on a wheel with no real control. So a lot of things happening in this episode, and we have a lot to discuss. This was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. And we will be breaking it all down. On that note, Ryan, why don't you take us into the writer, director, and the synopsis? All right. So this one was written uh, by Meredith Glenn and directed by Petriani McKenzie. Sure. Why'd you read that like a Russian? I, that's what it sounds. The first, the, 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 her first name sounds Russian. I think you're actually right, Katriana. Katriana McKenzie. Duh. McKenzie kind of throws McKenzie it off. throws it off. I think maybe Catriana she's Catriana like, sounds like it might be Italian. Catriana? Oh, maybe whatever. Spanish. Spanish? Probably from Spain. Uh, synopsis. Dean hits the road with Jack. Uh, this is uh, who needs to complete a final ritual in the quest to beat Chuck. A difference of opinion leaves Sam and Castiel behind looking for answers to uh, for questions of their own. Now, Catriana, I don't think she's ever directed an episode of Supernatural no, before. This is her, but this is her no. debut. I mean, she did. She killed it. I actually she did yeah. a really good job. And I'm assuming it's a she, Catriana. I, I apologize so. if if she's not. But she did a great job with this episode. She, I mean, Meredith Glenn and her just worked so well. They brought the those nuanced moments we always talk about in terms of performance. I mean, Sam acted his ass off. Uh, Dean oh had yeah, a great absolutely. moment in the car with the Jack. The Amara and Chuck scene at the beginning was fantastic. And that's something that I've been wanting for a very, very long time. And it's all because, again, Meredith Glenn's competent script. She's come a long way over the last few years. There was a bump or two when she first came on the show and we had all let her know it. <laughs> <laughs> we obliterated uh, we absolutely annihilated her first her. script i mean it's it's it, and to this day it's still pretty awful um it was the it was the the one with uh, hitler yeah where he comes back yeah i don't know what happened no that wasn't her very first one i think she had one before that didn't nope, she nope that was her first one i'm almost positive that was her first script if you want to look it up while we talk go for it and and let me know if i'm right or wrong but Right. We had just destroyed that script, but when you see just it's night and day because at pretty much every episode since that debut, she has just gotten so much better and she always brings a very personal 
intimate and emotional element to every single episode she writes. He doesn't even the episodes that weren't related to myth arc. She didn't let that hold her back. She has an agenda. She wants to write qualified, high content or high quality uh, scripts. And that's what she does every single time. And we definitely felt that talent throughout this entire uh, episode. And I think this might be the tightest script she has written, even the way she used the title cards. And although it felt out of left field, stylistically speaking, it did allow for a tidy script. And more importantly, it helped with perspective, with having Amara, Dean, Sam, and making sure we understand that this is going to be from their perspective and this is going to be about them more or less. And I think that worked. Okay, so just a note real quick mm-hmm. on um, Katriana McKenzie. She is not a novice. She's done How to Get Away with Murder, Riverdale. What, the director? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's just the that's just the U.S. shows. She's done a lot of stuff in in Australia. She's like critically acclaimed and stuff like that. So no wonder this episode was I saw that so amazingly yeah. directed. Well, yeah. I'm grateful too for them bringing on this type of talent. This is something Thomas and I were going on and on about about this final season. Like don't don't bring on newbies. Don't bring on any scrub directors. Bring people who are qualified. That's what we need. We need to bring that level because that's to this day I stand by. That's the reason why the first five seasons were so strong for Supernatural. And we talk about this continually during our Patreon discussions because we're doing the retrospective right now currently for season one and season two. And you just look at all the uh, top tier talent that was involved in those first five seasons. Big directors, big, big TV producers. I mean, these guys were veterans at that time. They they were already in the business for decades, many of them. I mean, look at Kim Manners, the the very individual that, you know, is attributed to some of the greatest elements of Supernatural until he, you know, passed away. So, I mean, they don't they're not messing around, at least it looks like with these final episodes. I know we had some issues with uh, some of the writing choices a few episodes back, but it looks like from here moving forward, we probably can assume we're going to be in some safe territory. Yeah. I think we were, I think we all were really kind of concerned with like, you know, why would you have a brand new director direct the last seat, like an episode of the last season, especially one of the last six episodes. But I think obviously this episode, uh, Catriona must say it like that. Go ahead. Catriona. I'm sure there's plenty of women out there like, Oh, Oh my God. Roll, roll the R's. And, oh, and Cat- pr- Catri- speak to me, my little Italian boy. Catriona McKinsey. Does that do anything for you, Avi? Go ahead. Does that, does that, does that get you fired up or what? Uh, no, that just makes me wish Thomas was here. <laughs> oh, hold on. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Catriona McKenzie. Wait, hold on. Wait, you Stallone? Yeah, that was, that's, that's my, that's <laughs> That didn't sound like Thomas. Sound I can't like- do a super deep voice like Thomas. Right. Hold on. Your impersonations are awful. They're all, that's yet the they're whole brilliant. point. That's the whole point. They're supposed to be bad. That's the thing that kills me. Here, about let, me no- be, let me be Thomas. Nope, that's Stallone. <laughs> the thing is like, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about it for a second. Okay. The thing is my, my impersonations are supposed to suck. And I'm the only one that has the balls on this network to actually do shitty impersonations. That way you can get bits and get drops and shit that sounds funny. All right. Who is the director or the writer of the previous episode? The Scooby-Doo director for Supernatural? Oh. Jeremy uh, Adams? Or? Uh, uh, no. Uh, okay. Let's flip that whole entire, your, your logic. Okay. I'm the only one who has the balls to write a shitty script this season. Well, well wait a second now. Okay. That's no, 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 no. That's not an accolade. That's not something you, you, you put it, you I wear have, and say, I, look at me. I, I wrote a, a shitty script. I have a badge I'm of honor. I'm the only one who has the balls look, to I, write shit. I play an idiot on this show. I've got to do idiotic things. The only thing that's idiotic for me to do is horrible impersonations of people. With that, that logic, Dab can also say that. Listen, yeah, I, well, everyone I'm knows I'm, the, fat like I'm Dab, the idiot, so. right? But that's his game plan. He's all, I'm the one who has balls to be an idiot. <laughs> Your logic doesn't work. No, your logic doesn't work. It's a horse shit. Trying to throw me under the bus. Dude. Okay, go ahead. Do me do uh, Stallone again for me. <laughs> it's not Stallone. It's it's it's, uh, it's Thomas. It's definitely Stallone. It's uh, Thomas. Uh, yeah, I love the show. Uh, yeah, Adrian. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. 
Uh, yeah, you know, if you can change, then, uh, you know, uh, I can change. <laughs> yeah, you sound like Lou Ferrigno. Uh, no, I know that. I was wondering why no, I was this sounds into. like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> 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 At least hey, that is my best impression. That is my best impression. Oh, Jesus, what? hold on a second. Did you, did you just bounce off your microphone over there or what? <laughs> I don't know. I like the um, stupid CEO. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. CWC CEO yeah. or uh, WB <laughs> Yes, there yeah, you yeah. go. That's a good one. Let's bring it back More to the Batman. show. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right. So, okay. All right. Meredith Glenn. You are correct. Her very first episode was the one that you've been waiting for. Okay. I guess I kind of forgot that because her next episode was regarding Dean. Which was awesome. Which was. That was the one where he lost his mind. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His memory. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And, And from then on, she has written pretty solid stories. So I don't know what the fuck happened with that Hitler one. I just, I can't. It was just bad, dude. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, everyone Maybe she ha- got bad advice. Maybe dad was ghostwriting. Listen here, you don't really know what you're doing because you're new. So I'm going to go ahead and tutor you. And, and when I say tutor, I'm just going to write this. You go give me some coffee and some cupcakes. <laughs> That's what he did. I, I want some cupcakes. That sounds good. All right. So ultimately, this is why the episode worked for me was because of how tidy it was. The perspective shifts we had from Dean to Sam to Amara there was a focus on the details as well. We understood why people made certain decisions. Who would have thought? That's something we always say as well. Like, listen, you can have your characters do whatever the fuck you want. Yep. But please give us a reason behind why they do things. It's called motivation. Right. And that's something that really worked for me, even with Chuck. And I'll admit, I was holding out hope that Chuck wasn't just a villain that perhaps he had his own motivations as to why he acted a certain way. But just like Dean told Amara, he only cares about himself. He literally is a child. And listen, you may not be happy with that decision, but listen, I understand him now. He's just a selfish unk. Some of us might have wanted more substance behind that, but that's enough for me. That's actually enough. And it makes sense based on everything we've seen of Chuck since the moment we met him. It's always exactly. it's always been about him. It's always been whiny me. Why me? So this does make sense. I mean, he's a child who just wants to be entertained and everyone and everything is just there for his amusement. And he has no real care for it, anything he's created. Yep. It's the it's the God complex we talked about, you know, the last couple episodes where it's like you said, he he's a selfish, a child. God. Yep. A selfish child. God who burns ants for his own entertainment and, you know, that's all he gives a shit about. And I think that. Well, and he's been able to get away with it for literally an eternity because the one person that could piss him off at the beginning was Amara. So he got rid of her and he's literally gone unchecked yep. yeah. this whole time. Yeah. And I bring this up, this whole element with Chuck. is because I totally dug the contrast between God and Amara. I, I felt was deliberately highlighted again. I have to think they're going to use this later. Even though we saw God consume Amara, I don't think it's over for her. She loves the world. That was that was clear. She loves people. And the only reason why she joined Chuck was because she was essentially heartbroken by the betrayal. Right. So again, motivation. It makes absolute sense, yep. perfect sense why she chose to be united with chuck i mean she pleaded with him she said hey let's do this the right way let's be what we were meant to be balance let's do this together the right way and chuck was like no nah well but then he manipulated what she said in such a way to make her think that she they would be doing the whole balance right thing, which i don't well, think he, he ever he manip- planned on actually doing he manipulated yeah. her in the way too of not only taking her words, but also he knew that Dean would lie to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's the other manipulation is that he knew Dean would lie to her and he knew, he's writing all of and this. He, and yeah. he knew that he could actually use that lie to his advantage. It just shows how much of a master, you know, manipulator he, he really is. And that's another thing that I really like because a lot of times they have, 
I mean, this because Chuck has always been squirrely. In fact, that's something they also brought up a couple episodes ago. You guys view him as this squirrely person, squirrely Chuck. But in all actuality, yeah, he's a bit of a spoiled brat, but also he is way more diabolical than we ever just than we could ever have imagined. The fact that he has been even what we learned with Adam, which we'll get to that in a second. I don't want to get into it too much right now, but even with Adam, I mean, they again gave gave us clarification that he's been fucking with people and trying to get siblings to kill each other since the dawn of humanity. Mm -hmm. So he is just diabolical and everything is being done according to his plans and how he sees it. A few visions here, as he said, a little bit of a nudge. So, well, and I, I have to say that that line was uh, just a smack in the face whenever Amara said to him, you know, Dean will never hurt me. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, but he can lie to yep. you. Which in turn still hurts God, her. I love that because it it is actually I think that might have been one of my favorite. I think it is my favorite moment of the episode. And the reason why. Yep is because it's very reminiscent of the Greek epics where a goddess falls for a mortal man man, to only be hurt by a betrayal, some form of betrayal, whether it be a lie or another lover. And then she is forced into making a decision that they'd otherwise not make. And then it means doom for the world and for human life. I mean, that's a page from the Greek epics. It's fantastic. So overall, this episode was great at filling in the blanks. Sure, there's a few more questions, but for the most part, we received answers to a lot of things. Chuck has turned from enamored, from being enamored with humans to just hating them. He views them as failures, which this is another aspect that I thought worked nicely. This helps quite a bit with an issue that both Thomas and I had with how suddenly God is just a heartless D-bag that kills people randomly. Mm-hmm. That was one of our biggest problems. Oh, so now he just snaps his finger and he murders people. Where was this Chuck before? Okay, he was in hiding, but sometimes he was alone. Why didn't he kill people then? He just, it was like a light switch. But now suddenly this little bit here does help soften that just a bit because right. now we understand that he's just had enough of humans. I'm, I'm over them. They were fun for a while, and I can't get Sam and Dean to do what I want, so fuck it. I don't like them. All I see, he said, when I look at them, is failures. My failures. Mm-hmm. So now this sudden shift and just being cold-hearted and blatantly murdering people makes sense. And it does fix some of those issues I had with the beginning of the season where he's just a like a murderer. He just he just kills people on a whim. Yeah. And I think it, it, it gives him a little bit of motivation on why he actually a- did that. Exactly. Well, because it it also plays into the whole, you know, he got tired. He felt like he failed with this world. He'd go off and make a new one and make a new one and make a new one. And now, like you said, Mike, he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Humans, I screwed up. Let me start over. Maybe with silicone life base. (laughs) Maybe let's just, you know, So everyone's a titty? Everyone's a silicone (laughs) booby? You know, well, because he's finally come to (laughs) the decision for himself that he is not the issue. Right. It's the humans that he keeps trying to create over and over and over again. That's the issue. So he's just going to throw it all away and start over with something new. Which, again, look at look at uh, Carver's run with season 11. Very consistent with that type of attitude. What was he going to do at the end of Carver's run in season 11? He was going to trash it and throw it all away. Yep. It's actually very on par with what we know of Chuck. So I have a question. Yeah. Do you think Kripke might have. What? Started helping them ghostwrite some of these episodes. Starting. (laughs) I mean, look, he's he's on a, a little lull right now. Right. I mean, I love that you mentioned that, A.V., because in my notes, I actually put that. If I didn't know better, this feels like a Kripke episode. Yes, because the moment you started talking about Greek tragedy tragedies, I went, son of a bitch, this feels like Kripke. It feels like a Kripke episode, and not because they're using the Kripke tropes and the things that we expect from Kripke. It's just, it feels so sincere to what Supernatural was. Yeah. And Shakespearean yeah. and all of that. Well, yep. I, I just think even... 
even some of the scenes are so cripky. Mm-hmm. The one with with Dean and Sam in the hallway. Yeah, because they slowed things down. Yes. Oh my. That was. Gosh. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That scene was by far the most heartfelt I've seen those two. Because we've never really seen them go at each other like that, like actually beat each other yep. up. And, um, but that felt like something that, you, like you said, that that's a Kripke move. Yeah. Like, like you said, slowing it down and making them actually have that conversation. When he, when he pulled that gun on Sam, I literally gasped out loud. And I was still not even sure that he wouldn't shoot Sam or himself when he was standing there saying, I can't live like this. I could just see like murder suicide, like just popped in my head. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then we find out what we find out that Chuck actually had orchestrated this entire thing. This is exactly what he had written. He was hoping this would be the thing that would actually finally make Sam and Dean turn on each other. And that's which every other Sam and Dean had done. Right. And I do like that because this is proper um, misdirection and uh, um, subverting our expectations. There's certain things we had expected. Um, We wouldn't have thought that Chuck is definitely well aware of everything because we weren't necessarily privy to what was happening in the writer's left hand. But over here, we have Billy's plan, and over here we have Chuck. 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 Let's go with that. I one. do like Chuck. Oh, I do like oh. writing on the on like. I also you know, said the cock, so we can go with either or. Which one do you want, Chuck uh, let's, or cock? Let's go cock. Let's go cock because cock's funnier. So cock <laughs> had written Billy's plan as well. So it just, I I loved it. I thought it just worked because it wasn't. We had said that it just feels like there's too many things they're they're doing too many like too, we're too close to the end for there to be all these different plans and and narrative strands that were just kind of spiraling out of control. But then with Meredith Glenn's episode here, what she does is kind of brings all of it in together and essentially make them all one. I even like the answer we got on Amara and Dean's connection. This is something we had talked about for years. Right. How much of this is part of God's story? How much of it is of their own volition? And we find out that, no, I didn't do any of this. This was, this was, and he was grossed out by it. Oh, no, this is, had nothing to do with this. I didn't write that. And I thought that was interesting. Okay. For a lot of reasons. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to get there. Hold on. I want to make sure I can word this the right way. Okay. It's a dramatic pause. Yeah. Okay. I'm sleepy Joe right now. Right, right. You fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. How much of the issues with the darkness was orchestrated or was it just a byproduct of Sam and Dean not following Chuck's script? Okay. What do you mean? Okay. So if darkness wasn't supposed to be this plan, what if the darkness was never supposed to be let out of her cage for whatever reason? Because if if you remember, let's go back to the the moment that Dean chose to kill death. Shit. Right? Yeah. They were supposed to kill each other at that moment. Yeah. You remember? And they decided. And Dean chose to kill death. Yep. Instead. In a split second. So that was them not falling in line and doing what Chuck had written out. And because of that, the darkness was released. Wow. And then the darkness had this connection that Chuck was unaware of. So there's there's a lot more going on here and whether or not they're going to use this, I don't think matters because even just in terms of thematics, it actually works. I don't think we need to go back to that. If we just now look back at that episode and say, holy shit, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Especially because they were supposed to do what? Kill each other. Yeah. It's holy shit. That's crazy. I, I wow. It's good. My mind is blown. That's why you win. The that's night. why Glenn does such a great job with these stories because even if it doesn't really mean anything for the future, it's consistent with what we've seen. Yep. All right. So we also learned that Chuck does need Amara for a reboot, as he called it. Creating and destroying, he can do on his own, but to start completely over. This is something we have not heard before. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, we haven't heard this this plan. That in order to recreate the very fabric of reality and the universe, he needs Amara. That's something he cannot do on his own. So whether or not that will come back at a later date, the next few episodes, we will see. Because we had always assumed that Chuck was just kind of like the the big guy that can literally do whatever he wants, and Amara's just his his other half. But now we find out that they actually they actually need each other. But I, I like that because I think we were coming at it from a Christian outlook, for lack of a better yeah. words. Because we never would have and and I keep saying we, I never would have thought of the darkness as an actual entity right. to be the opposite of Chuck's light. But them bringing her in as an actual character, I like him making the point to say, no, no, it was us at the beginning because it always had to be us at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're back to the siblings. It's always going to be us against everything else. Yeah. Thematically, it works, too. It's siblings. I I, I agree. I don't have a problem with it. I think it works. I, I think Amara, I just, my only issue, once again, is that I just wish we would have had a lot of this sooner. Because Amara, just, she brings a certain level to the the. She raises the stakes. She's a wild card. We're not quite sure what part she'll play by the end, if any. And I really like it because we're just not sure. Well, I will say <laughs> this, that I like her better this season than I ever did before. Yeah. I Well, they've given her a lot more, you know, I, well, I think before, wasn't she just kind of Ryan, like, um, just kind of a, a raw nerve, right? Just I'm angry. Yeah. I'm angry. Cause I've been locked up. Yeah. Like, like and and that's understandable. Like it works. Yeah, it, it's understandable. It's like the same thing. Michael, the way Michael was when he, like he was angry, mm-hmm. totally understandable. I just think that this year they've she and I and it's awesome the way they did this, right? Because yeah. she's had time to be in the mortal world and experience human beings. So the more that she's and yeah, she is still a little naive because you know she hasn't been around humans, but. As we've seen her be around humans more and more, the way she is changes. Like even the scene again where she's in the pool reading her book and the pool boy comes by or the cabana boy. Like again, these are things that she's experiencing as, you know, uh, air quotes a human. And just to see the contrast of how how much she's changed. And well, yeah, also just between or how the contrast between how the two of them treat people. Yep. Like was completely kind. Not to, mean, not angry. Yeah. Just a nice person. And I have to, I can only imagine that this is going someplace that they're really building this up, that she is, she is what God, it's what our image of God is in our minds. Yep. Right. So, all right. So let's get into the Sam and Dean aspect a bit more. We, well, can I say something yeah, really yeah, go super for it. quick? Real fast. The, um, his eyes. When oh, he comes yeah. In there, <laughs> that was awesome. That shot was really fucking cool. Yeah. So she's, what do you think? Do you think she's, she's aware, right? She's not. I think so. He's not like locked in his, in his head. Do you think? I, I have to think that she's in control still. Like I would she's like not, to merge with her. Uh, she's pretty attractive. <laughs> Emily Swallow is hot, dude. Yeah, she is. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking less of a possession, but I, I think she's still in there and aware and all that. Yeah. Jazz. Okay. All right. Want more Supernatural The Crossroads fun? Subscribe to our Patreon page and gain access to our pre-shows. Before every single podcast episode, we talk casually about random topics pertaining to Supernatural, typically things that we don't have time to cover in our, in our regular broadcast. So go to patreon.com slash digital and subscribe to our $3 a month behind the scenes tier or pay just $30 for the entire year to gain access and help us stay on the air. Do it now. No, do Stallone. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, do it now. Okay. Is that Thomas or Stallone? That was both. It doubles. Did they merge? You know, like, uh, you know, 
They merge. They become one. All right. That works. Yeah. Okay. So Sam and Dean, <laughs> we saw the tension, you know, ratchet up big time uh, between Dean and Sam. The lie last episode was used as a bit of a platform for this episode's contentious vibe. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. And, and it's something that a lot of the fandom and us included, we weren't really keen on. Like, oh, there they go lying again to each yeah, other. We, we didn't like that. But I did say during the previous episode, it felt a little different. It it wasn't the typical lie. It was more or less, hey, I, from a Dean's perspective, I just don't want to hear you tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. This is what we're going to do. Right. I need to be free from Chuck's control. And if I tell you, you're going to give me some, you know, holier than thou reason why we can't. So I'm just not going to tell you. It wasn't because, hey, I'm going to keep this from Sam because of reasons. And we, ne- and I feel and we never find out why those reasons were actually <laughs> the reason. Which is the, one of the few issues I have with Carver's run was those lies for just lie sake at times. Lying just to lie. Yeah. Like the absolute no reason. I love Carver's run, but those were the things where I'm just like, oh, I don't like that. But we see that a lie like this, it didn't last long. It wasn't, you know, dragged out across numerous episodes. But no, it was. Y- and they actually fucking fought about it. Exactly. And it was used to bring the tension level up for this episode. If we didn't have that, that would have been something else that Meredith Glenn would have, would have, would had, she would, it would have been something she had to add to this script as well. So instead she, she would have had to have manufactured something. Right. So she pulls that element over, creates that consistency we talk about. And then now we use that to then convey the idea and explore the idea. I should say that this is all of Chuck's plan. So then it makes perfect sense. It's all there. And we see them face to face. Mm-hmm. Dean pointing a gun at Sam's face. Sam doing what Sam does best. But something about Sam when he cries. I just it just hits me when him and his brother look at each other. And Sam, it just throws me back to season. Uh, what, what season was it when the um, heaven fell? Nine. Se- season eight. eight. Season eight. eight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which eight. to this day is probably the best moment for Je- uh, Jared of all time and all of the 15 year run of supernatural is probably his, his standing achievement until now. This was really good. It brought, it yeah. brought it back really those, did. those classic man tier single man tier moments. We needed it. We needed Wait. those emotions. It's what's been missing. Well, honestly, it kind of reminded me of um, the werewolf episode way back in season one or two when he shot Madison. Oh, that's right. And he was just, I mean, balling. Yeah, I would have shot. I Madison. forgot that, about that episode. Yeah, that was an. I mean, that's that's what it brought up to me. That deep down, fuck, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Just wearing it on my face, kind of emotion. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't think we've seen him actually full like like full blown cry like you were saying, Av. Since then, I think that's a, this is the first time that we've seen him like. And I also liked the dynamic of Dean trying to get the job done in his head, like trying to get the job done and Sam like pleading, like, please listen to me, you know, like, and it's so hard to watch. It's hard to watch. And I think the thing I was waiting for is when he's like, when, when Sam was talking about, you know, you've protected me my whole life. Oh my God. And when he broke, I thought for sure he was going to spin it. He goes, I was hoping that he was going to spin and say, let me protect you right now. I, oh. I would have, I would have lost it. Like I legitimately would have lost if he said that. I mean, I still thought what he said was, was brilliant. And that scene was so powerful. And the chemistry there, that is, that is like Jensen and Jared one Oh one like chemistry. Right. Yes. And if he would have said, you know, let me protect you now, I probably would have fucking fell off the couch, like, and curled into a ball and cried. <laughs> Um, we'd be doing this from the, afterlife. yeah, absolutely. I'd be dead. Um, and, but that scene was unbelievable. And I definitely, this is what I've been waiting for since. Is this the started. one we've been waiting for? Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, so terrible. I, this is what I've been waiting for since season 15 started. Yeah. And un- unfortunately it took us to get to, you know, 17, 17 yeah. for it to happen. But I'm I'm grateful that it did um, because this is the kind of shit that I was expecting. I was expecting heartfelt Sam and Dean moments, 
heartfelt Dean and Castiel moments, not them fucking. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, some people would like to see that. I'm sure Ryan. they would, and that would could be a nice porn parody that I'm sure they could come up with. Um, I think it's going to be a credit sequence, a post-credit sequence uh, during the series finale. That's just disgusting. You know, just like Marvel does it, you know, kind of give you an idea what's coming up next. They're going to do that with the series finale. It's like yeah. credits, the end, and then, then Castiel just, just plowing. Getting, getting railed from behind. Yeah. No, Dean would be plowing him. It'd be the, it'd be that way around. And then Dean would be singing Eye of the Tiger while it's happening. I'm just, that'd be a great way to. <laughs> Playing the drums on his yeah. back. <laughs> or, or, or. Castiel singing it on his knees right underneath uh, Dean's wiener. Kakioki. Oh. Kaki, the eye of the tiger. Kakioki. Come in the eye of the tiger. Um, <laughs> rar. Rar. That's going to be an isolated <laughs> and a sound drop. God damn it. <laughs> I, um, so, no, I do agree with you, Ryan. Everything that has led to that moment between Sam and Dean, it, it makes sense. Everything has been working towards that, at least over the last couple episodes, I should say, but to see Dean so desperate to just want to end it all, I yeah. think was a very powerful statement. Whew. I mean, it was very, I don't think we've seen this type of Dean before. And that's why I really like it. Cause yes, we've seen them desperate to save each other, but it was just them. It was just them and people they didn't see. So this is nothing new. Dean's always put, Sam and his family above everyone else. It's the reason why they're in this situation right now. Billy has said that you always put your family and your friends above everyone else, including the universe. This is why we have issues with the alternate realities. So this is very much on par with Dean and who he is. His characterization is on point, but it's different in the sense that he is truly desperate, that he's willing to just, Fake Bobby, fake Charlie, all these people they know. He's like, fuck them. You're all that matters, Sam. Well, and not only that, I think this is the first time we've seen, I mean, we've seen Dean desperate and like a, you know, bulldozing his way through anything and everything. Except Castiel's ass. And and goal, (laughs) maybe to get to Sam. But we've never seen him try to bulldoze through Sam yeah. to get to that end goal. Well, he's, pull, he's, he's pulling Jack. He's dying. And he's pulling Jack. Come on. We got to do this. Let's go. Let's go. We got to do this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. The, di- the kid is dying. Like, it's fucked. It's, but like, it's, it's so that hallway scene is so, was so fucking intense. Dude, he's borderline bleeding yeah. out right there. Like, yeah. And the idea that he just wants to be free and that's the desperation and we saw a a, a version of that when he pulled gun out on kaya oh (laughs) yeah we we, we saw a version of that desperation but this is even i mean they're doubling down on that desperation and it's more about him and sam yes but he just wants to be free finally and i love that because that's been a thing from the very beginning and i'm so conflicted about this because it does work the idea that they they've never truly had control over their lives you know, free will was a sham, essentially. It makes for a great addition to Dean's characterization. It works. This angers him. It fuels him. But in order for this to fully work, Dab's got to make sure free will does exist for them by the end. The goal from here on out has got to be about that, winning their freedom, true freedom. That has been the single driving force for Dean all season. When he found out that they have never had control over their lives. And now that that has been brought back and it's been Dean's through line, Mm -hmm. they have to, that has to be the end. The end has to be them winning their freedom. Agreed. I mean, especially, you know, Dean's confession in the car with Jack was so powerful because it filled a lot of emotional and narrative plot holes. It brought a level of consistency. We now understand fully where Dean is coming from. I mean, his sheer blunt honesty hurt. Did it did it hurt when he like I, I felt bad when he told Sam. Oh, yeah. That he didn't think uh, that Jack, Jack wasn't, wasn't family. family. And I and I I. I I don't know. Like I felt shitty about that because in the last two seasons, we've come to think of Jack as family and like for him to straight up, just say that to Sam 
And like, of course, like you knew it was going to be the, the, the cliche. Oh, he's standing behind me. Right. Like, but even still like his explanation, I mean, made sense, but it just, it still hurt like for him to say that. It, it did. It did hurt. But all of it has to be designed so that we see just how desperate Dean is. Yeah. He didn't stop. He didn't blink. Even when he found out that this is part about, or I should say, when he found out that Billy was tricking them, that her plan is to reset everything, put everything away. He didn't care as long as Chuck died and he and Sam yep. were free, which is very consistent with Dean's behavior. Sam has always been the white knight and Dean typically is the gray hero or anti-hero archetype. He's always put Sam. Well, and if you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if you stop and think about how many times that we have talked about how many times, times the boys have tried to get out of the life and they just right. can't seem yeah. to do it. They always get pulled back in. So part of Dean's anger from always being this hamster on the wheel mm -hmm. is going motherfucker. Yeah. Sam was almost out. I was almost out. How many times? Yeah. And it's all because of yep. Chuck. Yeah. Now Sam stumbling upon a clue that led him to the key that opens death's library. It was great. I did like it. It was a little lazy how they said, Oh, wait a second. Oh, BT dubs. But it does work. And I understand yeah. it's crunch time. So let's, I'm I'm uh, definitely I'm okay with taking some liberties here with yes. with finding the key because they found that key awfully fast and they came they came to the realization that they would need that key awfully quick as well. But that's why I, I have, you know, some issues overall with the season because there's elements that would have worked just a little better if they introduced it maybe two or three episodes prior. Look, I, I'm willing to cut some slack on particular issues. I, I'm there with you. I and agree. I, I'm willing to cut some slack and give them a little bit of fucking leeway if we're going to get solid episodes like this. I agree. I, I, I can look past that shit. I mean, yeah, in, in the terms of like supernatural and how quickly they found the fucking key, it was fast. But you know what? Fuck it. We need to progress farther, you know, and yes. and get to like the meat and potatoes. So mm -hmm. I can cut some slack. Dude. I agree. Well, and I can cut some slack because that was a deep dive on earlier in the season with Sarah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it showed foresight. It showed a plan. And that's something that we always, you know, talk about. Where's the plan? Can we see the plan? And that obviously is right. that was a part of the strategy from, from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. So it does. It does work. Uh, but ultimately, this entire bit with Sam was to flesh out Billy's true agenda, right? And to know one surprise, as I said at the top of the show, she was not telling the truth. And my hat's off to Meredith Glenn once again. She didn't throw us a curveball. There was no eye rolling because yeah. this was very much on track with who Billy has been since we met her. 100%. We've been saying yeah. since the moment she popped up after she died that she's playing them. She's not necessarily bad. It's not, it's not, it's not she's a vindictive just about evil plan. Order. Yeah. The balance of things. Yep. Everything needs to be put back where it belongs. She has said this. If you go back to her very first appearance in the hospital in season 11. Yep. What, what, what was her whole beef with Sam and Dean? They're fucking shit up. Yep. I'm going to end you. I'm going to throw you in the empty. Because she just wants things to be how they're designed to be. So this wasn't a curveball. It wasn't an eye really moment because all of it makes perfect sense. In fact, if you look at Billy, she's probably one of the most consistent characters in all of Supernatural. There was never any. Yeah. When we were talking about her earlier, I was thinking she was probably one of the the most fleshed out and well done yes. characters in almost all of Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, again, it, it, she's not inherently evil. She's not. This plan is not evil. I'm going to tell you, right, I'm calling it right it's now. It's logical. It's logical. And it's the smart the move needs for of the, the, many. the greater good. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where. We're going to find out going forward in the next three episodes that Chuck is still the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Billy is just right now the, oh, she's got to be a bad guy when, and you start looking at it from her perspective as being death and wanting to bring order to the, to the chaos that's been going on. It makes sense. Yeah. So I, 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 
but I agree with Amy. She is probably one of the most consistent mm-hmm. characters and ambiguous for a reason. And I think that's what I like about her character. She's pretty flawless. She's pretty damn good. Yeah. Okay, so really quick. Does anyone else think Billy's plan sounds a lot like what we had said several weeks back? The end of the supernatural? Yes. Like pushing towards like the supernatural not being a thing anymore. Yeah, because if she puts everything back, right? Angels stay in heaven. Demons stay. Demons stay in hell. Yep. Souls go to heaven. Souls go to hell. The empty goes there. The angels, when they die, they go to the empty. That sounds like she's locking things away. That is done. Game's over. No more supernatural. It's up. So, it's, well, those days are done. Well, monsters would still exist, so though. Basically, they? so that we would go back to like season one through three, where it was just monsters. What if monsters go to purgatory? I was going to say, monsters would still exist, though. They like, could exist, but what if she feels that they belong in purgatory? Oh, I see what you're saying. So she moves them to purgatory. Uh, who knows? I mean, there are some assumptions that I'm making, but it could work. Maybe not completely how we had theorized, but right. all it sounds like it's kind of going in that direction. Think simpler times. Yeah. Hmm. Now, we do need to think whether or not Billy's plan would even work to begin with. Okay, for a few reasons, because whether or not this plan would let me backtrack. We do need to rethink whether or not this plan would even be effective. Let's say Billy's plan does move forward because this framework situation that, that they had brought up, that things kind of just started organically evolving and building on its own when God removed himself from the equation. That's how the empty popped up. That's how death and reapers started doing their thing. The framework the framework took control, essentially, became a part of the process. So Billy mentioned the situation that Billy mentioned sounded like Chuck didn't have dominion over certain things. And yet he wrote Billy's plan in his story. So as framework situation, is that not a thing? Then that was my biggest question, because if they alluded to the fact. So is Billy the Neo in the Matrix? See, that's that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. There does seem to be some, I don't want to say contradictory. If she shows up with sunglasses the next episode, then yes. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> because we have been led to believe that Chuck has no real control over these things. But he included all these elements in his story, which says he has control over these things. So we've got questions. I know that was Thomas's biggest concern. He said yeah. he did like this episode quite a bit, but it did bring out more questions. And I'm fine with questions. These aren't yeah. ridiculous questions. These aren't these aren't questions that if they go unanswered, oh my god, I can't live with my life. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what we got to understand. If we're going to get we're going to cut some slack for the episodes, we're going to get we're going to get questions that that may never get answered. And you know what? You got to be okay with it. As long as it's not questions like Adam, you know? <laughs> okay, okay, B- before we jump off into Adam. I don't want to jump off into him could, at all. Can we just forget about him? Are you talking no. about Michael Adam? Could, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Adam in this episode. Um could Chuck be manipulating Billy's plan simply to get the Winchesters to that point in the hallway where they would kill each other and then they would not be in his way so he can go ahead and finally destroy this world and yeah. start it over. Could could be. I mean, why doesn't he kill them now? That's what's very strange. That when he just looks at them and says, You guys. It's always you guys. It's always you guys. It's always you three. Yeah. Um <laughs> because here's here's that, my that is a that is a worry. question though, right? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, no. Okay. Here's my worry. So earlier in the episode when Jack and Adam were talking together, he asked Jack which rock had a divine spark in it because it had been touched by God. And Jack explained that they all did. Because they were all created by God. Right. So if Jack 
is now a bomb that would kill the spark of divinity, which is Chuck, would that mean that he would kill everything? Yeah, I don't think that was real. I think that was an elaborate plan to just have Jack get killed. I don't think he would ever become a bomb that was going to kill Chuck because he had right. ri- he had written it just to simply to be that way to trick Amara into joining him and to get okay. Sam and Dean but to kill each other. But if you take that a step further, he could also have written it so that Sam and Dean ended up killing each other in that hallway as well. Yeah. And then Jack could have gone off like a bomb. Done. Yeah. I don't know. It, there are some questions. I think that presents a lot of questions. And that also takes me kind of to the not kind of it does take me to the only what the fuck moment of the episode and not because it was bad, but the whole Adam scene. How does this now factor in? OK, so let, let, I, this was the one scene that I was like, well, I mean, obviously, we talked about the Garden of Eden and we talked about right. that. I know we had talked about that. Mm hmm. But to bring this up now and to make it just kind of an offshoot of like, hey, man, you need my rib, dude. Like there's got to be more to it. There's right? got to be more to it because yeah. I, I felt like I almost felt cheated because they gave us the the mention of of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and they gave us the mention of the Garden of Eden. And then this is all we got out of it. I just don't. I, it, that's such a biblical yes. monster yeah. of a thing. Well, and he the only good thing out of that whole seen with Adam anytime he was on screen was when he was explaining why he hated God. He said, and then he moved on to my son. Right. Honestly, that's the only good thing out of all of yeah. Adam. In my I opinion. actually agree 100% because I didn't dislike it because I felt like there is a reason for it. And I don't think they were introduced simply for the whole rib scene and Jack. It was meant to bring some consistency to the story. And if we never go back to them again, I think that's just fine because of what you just said, A.V. It adds a subtle, it gives us a subtle answer on a few things. Because this is something that we have gone back and forth on this show for a very long time. The inclusion of Chuck meddling in Adam's life. And that he did move on to his kids, Cain and Abel, which we we were aware of that. Mm -hmm. This works with our theory from several months back about Chuck. We had theorized that this is what he's been doing the whole time, essentially writing and rewriting stories about siblings killing each other. We said Cain and Abel. We brought that up specifically. Right. He's obsessed with siblings killing each other. Michael and Lucifer killing each other. And then he moved on to Sam and Dean for some reason. And for some reason, they were unique. They never did what Chuck had wrote from that he had wrote for his ending. They never killed each other. Cain and Abel did. Michael and Lucifer did. Other Deans and Sams did in other universes. But this version of Sam and Dean never did. Never did. And that is one, besides free will, this is one aspect, I'll say one of two. That has to be resolved before the end. We have to know why they are so unique. Why do they not make form? Yeah, what makes them different? Why are they different than Cain and Abel, Michael and Lucifer, and yeah. other Deans and Sams? And that, circling back to the Adam's introduction, I feel is the only reason why they introduced Adam. Because they needed to help flesh out this idea of siblings and to remind us of these other scenarios. Or just to remind us that there is another Adam out there that's so stupid. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, by the way, you guys forget? so dumb (laughs) yeah so i did like because i'm a castiel fan when they know how to write for him i did like that they finally because this is something we talked about as well why doesn't castiel conform and they finally acknowledge that he is a part of it like why don't you listen he said that he was damaged you know what do you say a a, a broken broken chassis yep do you realize that's a callback to swan song well, yeah, he's yeah. definitely a broken chassis because Dean split him in half. Oh, oh I, damn! He, I knew he you were broke going his there. chassis. Mm. That's, that's disgusting. That's hot. Just the way you say it. Say what? it with a Stallone voice, at least. You know, he uh, he like broke his chassis. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> All right, so this does bring us to the end. Do we need to go into final thoughts? We kind of got. Oh, no, ra- I think we. We kind of got away from that, but. If I did have to score this, let's say, let's say if I, if hypothetically I was to give this an RMD score, I'd probably give it a 96%. 
Uh, hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically, I would be probably somewhere around that, too, as well. What about you, Avi? Yeah, hypothetically, hypothetically, mine would be a 98. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're... And Thomas would probably give it a 63. Oh, he, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Thomas. Yeah. All right. So this does bring us to the end. I want to thank everybody for listening. Be sure to head over to our Patreon page and help us stay on the air. We are continuing past the end of Supernatural. We are currently running through the second season uh, retrospective discussions. Basically, it's the exact same thing we do here with the current shows. But we have gone back because we didn't officially start this show until what? Midway through season nine. Ryan? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we have already burned through season one. We're just about at the end of season two as part of our video cast here. So help us out. Help yourself out. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Thank you. You little maggot. You are no longer part of this story. Hey, ass butt.